How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome to the Mea Culpa series of this podcast. In this particular podcast series, I'm going to be interviewing uh, friends, families, colleagues to uh, share with you, the audience, the different mistakes that have been done uh, in their personal lives. And when I mean mistakes, I'm talking about financial mistakes, of course. Today, I invited a good colleague of mine. And I have with me my good friend, uh, ER Doc, uh, ER Doc uh, Mark. Uh, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being on the show and sharing with us your experience. And more importantly, uh, one financial mistake that uh, you've made throughout your uh, career as a, as a physician. So tell me and explain to me uh, what do what that mistake was. Um, so one mistake that I'm happy to share was around incorporation. And um, what I had done historically when I was paying taxes from my personal uh, account before incorporation was I would just save all the money that I needed uh, for April and pay everything in April because I figured that, you know, the longer time I had it, the longer I could invest it. And then I could only pay the government when, you know, when taxes were due April 30th. Unfortunately, I went into uh, incorporation with the exact same mentality and I found out a little bit the hard way um, that one of the things that that you need to do as an employer is you need to be deducting uh, payroll deductions and essentially taking off tax at source. So while I was paying myself a monthly stipend or a salary uh, while I was incorporated, um, I actually needed to be taking that money off every month and submitting it to the government, which I did not know about. And I think uh, my specific error was in not knowing this. And so when I approached my accountant towards the end of the year, he basically said, oh, you haven't made any deductions. And I, and I kind of said, well, what, what's a deduction? And the problem was I ended up needing to take out a short-term loan in order to uh, be able to pay the taxes for that month's deductions. Um, essentially, I paid my entire year's worth of income tax in two days, which uh, I was not able to mobilize the mutual funds that I had been setting aside for the entire year. And instead, I had to take out this short-term loan. So it was a bit of a mistake on my part not understanding how payroll deductions uh, need to occur on a monthly basis. And uh, the bigger picture for that was just maybe not um, knowing about the incorporation process and knowing the responsibilities of the owner of a corporation um, and then possibly also being matched with the wrong accountant. Thank you, Mark. I think that is an amazing story. Um, and you know what? It's not uncommon what you just mentioned there. Uh, I do want to bring uh, up two points. Uh, one is in regards to when you are doing your own personal thing uh, without incorporation. I remember when I was uh, younger and I first started uh, and I wasn't incorporated back then, uh, we had to pay uh, quarterly installments. So the same way, you know, instead of doing deduction at source, that we would have to pay the government uh, a certain amount of money because we are high income earners and and they want our money really quick so we had to pay quarterly installments and in that in that early years I was not aware of that either 
And so what I ended up doing is spending a bunch of my money uh, every month. And when it was time to pay those quarterly installments, I also had no money set aside. And so I had to get a, a loan, a short-term loan or a line of credit to pay that installment. And those loans actually took me six to eight months to pay back, pay back uh, and pay down. And so that was a, a, a really stupid uh, mistake that I made. Uh, and I realized that I'm not the only one. So a lot of brand new grads uh, make that same mistake because as, as residents, we make a certain amount of income and as staff, we make a much better income and we see this big, big paycheck and we're like, oh, let's spend it uh, like we're going to a buffet and we want to buy everything, except that we don't remember that we need to pay taxes. So paying taxes on installments is something that's important to do if we're not incorporated and we have to set money aside for those quarterly payments. Now, coming back to after the uh, corporation, the incorporation, you now have to pay uh, taxes at the source. And so you are now an employer-employee relationship. The corporation is the employer and you as Mark, the uh, employee. And so the corporation has an obligation to uh, deduct payroll taxes. And that's something that, uh, again, once we incorporate, if we're not aware, we can step into those type of pitfalls. And it's very important to understand that the moment we incorporate, we actually have two relationships, one relationship as an employer and one role as an employee and how the two fit together is crucial so that we're not late on our tax payments because uh, no one wants to get an audit from the CRA. Okay, so coming back to Mark, Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, your life situation and how that all fits within your work and uh, the fact that you incorporated. Uh, thanks for the question, Vu. Um, so for myself, I am uh, 40 years old. I work in a downtown urban emergency department and have been working there for the past uh, 10 years. I graduated from uh, residency about 12 years ago, so I've been uh, practicing for about 12 years in total. Uh, I am married with two children. Um, I have a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, so currently, um, they're they're not costing me a lot of money yet. Um, I also own a house in uh, in a large urban center, so I definitely do have a mortgage um, that I am anxious to pay off. Um, so just coming back, uh, when you were uh, in school, uh, how much was your loan, student loan, and uh, how long did it take you to pay it off? Um, yeah, sure. So when I graduated from medical school, I probably had about $100,000 worth of debt. I had escaped undergrad with no debt thanks to some scholarships and working summer jobs. But when I finished medical school, I probably had about 100000 And unfortunately, over the course of residency, I think, you know, residency is a bit of a difficult period. I think I took some liberties. So by the end of residency... I think I estimated about $125,000 worth of debt um, that I owe to Royal Bank um, at a prime interest rate. Um, so I did not incorporate right away uh, coming out of residency for that reason because I figured all of the money that I made in the first few years I would put towards my uh, line of credit and try to pay that down. 
And so I did over about two years. So it took me about two and a half years before I paid down those student loans. But that is with 100% uh, investing all my disposable income into that. Um, so at the time, I did not own a house. Um, I was single and I did not have any mortgage payments or any further uh, balances owing. So I could funnel all my money into uh, my student loan, my line of credit, and I was able to pay it off by about year three. And that's when I incorporated. Uh, I guess the question I have for you is, uh, why did you decide to incorporate? Uh, I mean, er a lot of physicians do, but I'm interested in why you did it. Uh, but and before you answer, though, um, I do want to say I've, I did the exact same thing you did, meaning uh, I came out, uh, I started working, and I spend 100% of my energy and 100% on my income to pay down uh, debt and line of credit. Uh, knowing what I know now, uh, I realize that that is a, actually a huge, huge mistake. And so uh, I'll just end it here by saying that it was a mistake. I should not have paid down my loan and line of credit in the time frame that I did. Uh, and But I will guarantee the audience that I will address this in a future podcast of why uh, it was a huge, huge mistake to pay down debt as quickly as possible. So I want to give you the opportunity to uh, maybe address why you decided to incorporate. I decided to incorporate VU because I was basically told that that was the thing to do and that there were good financial advantages to being able to own a company and then pay yourself a salary and use the remainder of the money uh, to act as a vehicle for long-term savings and possibly retirement planning. So, I mean, that was the reason why I incorporated it. It sounded like that was the suggestion. And I think at the time, you know, I had only heard advice from other physicians or MD management, and it seemed like everyone suggested that that was the thing to do. Uh, you are right, Mark. Um, that probably is the right thing to do for many reasons that uh, you included, but there's many more reasons. So, you know, the retained earnings within the corp could be used for retirement planning purposes. Uh, incorporation is also good for tax planning and tax strategy. Uh, but the corporation is not just about that. There are uh, many tax advantages that could be used within the corp. Uh, and many of the things that we can purchase is much more efficient uh, to purchase it through the corp. So the corp is not really just for retirement planning. It's actually a good vehicle to use uh, during our entire professional lifetime. Again, I will address this in a different podcast, but I don't think you've made a, a wrong choice in, in, in incorporating. In fact, I would say that for, I would say 99% of physicians in Canada, uh, we should incorporate regardless of what the accountants say. I do want to uh, specify when I say 99%, I mean, uh, physicians who practice in provinces that allow professional incorporation. Uh, so, Mark, um, we've in our discussion, you've mentioned obviously uh, the the mistake you've made by uh, not knowing about the the tax payments, but you've also mentioned a few more things that you've learned uh, with the incorporation. Can you share with the audience uh, what you've learned through uh, incorporating? Thanks, Vu. Probably the first realization is that incorporation 
costs a little bit more in terms of legal and accounting fees. Uh, these are some of the things that I, I don't think I was really aware of initially. Um, but in order to incorporate, you need to hire a lawyer as well as hire a, an accountant to create articles of incorporation for you. And then subsequently, those articles need to be submitted to the government. So all of those cost extra money. And then at the end of the year, you have to deal with two separate taxes, tax returns, and essentially two separate tax years. So you will have your personal tax year, which typically ends April 30th, um, or sorry, it's due April 30th, but ends on the calendar year. And then you will also have your corporation's tax return to deal with, which will end uh, on, the, on the date of the inception of the corporation. So uh, depending on, on when your, your corporation is set up, you will have to deal with tax returns at two different times. So that was also something that was quite unfamiliar to me. Um, and so the costs associated for all those additional returns uh, do add up a little bit over time. And so I would say that probably my accounting fees uh, tripled, if not quadrupled, after incorporation. Yeah, but the other challenge that I faced was what do I do with the money that's left over in the corporation year after year? And thinking long term, what, what does that money do that, that's not being used to support me? So one of the challenges was how do I invest it? And so uh, my first point of contact was MD management. But unfortunately, they, I found that over the years, and I, I don't want to speak badly about but there's quite a bit of turnover at MD management, and the advice they give is not necessarily the most uh, necessarily the most aggressive or the most forward-thinking advice. So, for instance, um, unfortunately, a lot of my money was kept in cash uh, after the crash of 2008, and I left it in cash because MD was turning over advisors, and I was busy, and I really wasn't focused on what was going on. I actually ended up missing the big boom leading up to 2012 because most of my investments were still just in cash holdings. So that was a, a bit of a mistake that occurred. Um, and so I think you, you do need to come up with some sort of plan with your financial planner about what to do with that money that you set aside in the corporation. How are you going to invest it? Um, are you going to take an aggressive approach? Are you going to take a more conservative approach? And, and what is your long-term outlook? You also mentioned that uh, it was difficult for you to figure out um, how and what and how much you're going to uh, invest with the retained earnings in your corp because uh, you and I work in a, um, in a profession where our income is not constant. Uh, so we, our income varies quite a bit from month to month depending on the, t uh, the amount of shifts that we do. Uh, and, and it's also very seasonal as well. And so one of the things you mentioned was difficulty in figuring out uh, how and where to invest your money because there was obviously variation in monthly income and created a cash flow challenge for you. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Sure, Vu. Um, one, as you mentioned, one of the issues has been because we do have a monthly income that isn't necessarily the same every month, uh, the, the number of physicians who are salaried, I think, is relatively minor in Ontario. Most physicians are still 
uh, earning what they work or how many patients they see. So that can create substantial variations in monthly earnings. And so one of the challenges I had was trying to keep track of the money that would be in the corporation at the end of the month and, uh, and trying to figure out what to do with it. At times, if I ignored it and let it go, I might have you know, in excess of $100,000 uh, sitting around in the savings account or in the checking account at the bank. And that's you know, a bit of wasted money because it's not being used for anything uh, consciously. So one of the strategies has been to set a monthly contribution limit uh, to an investment account and so that way, every month, at least I'm setting aside, you know, a few dollars, uh, thinking long term, and trying to set aside funds for long term uh, investments. That is actually fabulous, Mark. Uh, and the fact that you have set up an automatic contribution uh, in, in a either investment or savings uh, from your corp and the retaining earnings. Um, so I, I also, uh, in our discussion, mentioned about emergency funds. And I believe you did not create one. Is that right? My corporate bank account uh, allows me a line of credit for up to $35,000. Um, so I, I figure I always have that as an emergency fund of sorts. But in terms of a dedicated, calculated, premeditated emergency fund, no, I've never had that. So uh, it's nice that you have um, a uh, line of credit or a loan set aside for those unusual circumstances. Uh, but I still, you know, as uh, someone who have looked at this, still recommend to people to look at, you know, protecting their base and uh, mitigating risk. And one of the things that is uh, always talked about in the uh, first step of financial security is having an emergency fund. And that does not include a line of credit or a loan because the financial institutions can always change on us and remove that loan or remove that line of credit. All we had to do is look no farther than the US during the 2008 crash where the bank shrunk and removed all loans and all lines of credit, even though you had them before. And so the recommendation is always to have a three to six months uh, of uh, retained earnings or uh, cash sitting around uh, three of three to six months of uh, monthly expenses to at least cover monthly expenses. As healthcare professionals, I go one step further and I usually adhere to three to six months of income, which gives you a much, much bigger buffer. I understand that you now have a family with children and I think it's even more important at this point to have a bigger emergency fund. And I'm, I'm not sure that in the day that we live in right now, uh, that a 30,000 line of credit uh, is necessarily enough, especially if we're facing catastrophe or some sort of emergency. Uh, but the fact that you have one and the fact that you have a backup plan uh, is actually a, a wonderful thing. Uh, Mark, in our discussion, um, you've learned quite a few things after incorporating. Do you mind sharing with the audience what you've learned? What are the different learning points and take-home points that you would like to share? I think the overarching theme of, of what I've learned is that incorporation is a separate project. 
and does require its own attention. Um, as a business owner now and as essentially the president of your own company, you do have to run it like a business, which means that it's important to take some time to review the finances, uh, make sure that you know, you're allocating your money appropriately and that it's doing what you, know, you want it to do. In particular, you want to make sure that your cash flow is, is working out well. So um, one of the challenges has always been to try to find time to do this. Busy lives. Most of us went into medicine because we probably don't really like dealing with all the nuts and bolts of running our own business. So uh, my suggestion would be, if possible, to set some time aside, maybe one day a month, just to sit down and review your investments, your cash flow, your expenses for that month to make sure that they're all appropriately recorded and to make sure that you're essentially taking out enough money to live and also that you're setting aside money to pay your taxes and also that you're setting aside tax uh, money to cover your future investments and your retirement planning. Perfect. Uh, I think that is a, a great uh, learning uh, that you've shared with us. Um, you also talked about uh, having to run it like a business, so to make sure that you separate the expenses. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So, Vu, I'm really fortunate in that by practicing emergency medicine, in general, our overhead and our expenses are relatively low compared to other specialties. That having said, been said, it's important to be able to track what you do spend for your corporation. So. Um, you know, one of the big challenges is in setting aside your expenses, your receipts, and knowing what can be deducted from taxes at year's end and what cannot be deducted. Um, one of the suggestions uh, which I've incorporated is having my own credit card for my corporation and being able to expense my uh, corporate expenses, being able to have them all in one place through a corporate credit card uh, really does help me to figure out the funds and to make sure that things are, are sorted out at year's end. It also makes it much easier for my accountant to track which expenses I've made over the year on behalf of that corporation. Um, now you don't need a fancy business grade credit card. You can use just any credit card and just call it your corporate credit card and just use it like that. So. You know, there's no need to go and spend hundreds of dollars on a fancy credit card. You just need to have a credit card that's uh, allocated really just for uh, academic use or clinical use or practice use. Uh, thank you, Mark. I think those are absolutely all great points um, and treating your corporation like a business because it is, in fact, a business. You are now the CEO of your of this company and uh, as a CEO of the company, you need to look after the company and look after it the right way. And so having um, its own expense account and something that could track is definitely something that must be done. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the point. You also mentioned uh, what could be deducted uh, for uh, in terms of from your corporation, the research work, the clinical work, and uh, academic work, what are the different expenses that could be uh, deducted through the corp? Uh, this is not a 
podcast about that. Uh, we will have a separate podcast about what could be deducted via the corp. But I think it is important to mention that the, that the corporation offers definitely tax advantages for that. And I would definitely uh, recommend that people uh, get a proper accounting advice to make sure that they are within the law of what is can what can and how much can be deducted via the corp so uh if if it's something that uh you're not comfortable with or you're not sure uh make sure that you get proper accounting advice to uh stay within the legalities of the law and the cra uh, one one thing i experienced was don't be afraid to fire your accountant if they're not doing the right job for you uh, it was something that I'd really not been familiar with, the idea of firing an accountant, because in general, we haven't had to do that through medical school and residency. We're not, we're not used to sort of saying no and thank you very much and moving on. But uh, after the experience I had with my first accountant, I, I felt the need to move on to a different accountant who had a little bit more uh, focus and understanding of, in particular, the young and inexperienced uh, physician, the newly incorporated physician. So one thing I will say is to regularly evaluate your financial team, your financial advisors. And if they're not doing the job that you need them to do, you know, don't be afraid to look for other options because there are lots and lots of options out there. And uh, it's something that definitely didn't come easily to me. I was very nervous about moving on from this accountant. But the truth is, you know, they're selling a product, they're offering a service, and if we don't like it, we are totally entitled to move on. Another excellent point, Mark. Um, and I, I think this needs to be stressed really well, uh, is that, you know, this is a corporation. This is a business. Um, I don't suspect that IBM or Google or Netflix would tolerate a CFO that couldn't do their finances or their accountant that couldn't balance the books or being able to come up with creative accounting strategies. Those businesses would not tolerate those people for much longer. And so we have to treat our corporation as a true business because our corporation is in fact a true business. So I think you made that point really clear and thank you for making that point. Another point that I uh, wanted to raise with the incorporation is that the corporation needs to look after its employee. In the case of a professional corporation, the employee is uh, the physician. And so there, it, the, the corporation needs to look at risk management as well and risk mitigation. And some of these are uh, insurance uh, and, um, and protection. And so one of the reasons the incorporation is a good idea is because a lot of things that could be purchased through the uh, corporation is actually tax advantage. And so two of these products are life insurance and critical illness insurance. In regards to disability insurance, the common thought and the common school of thinking is to have it outside of the corporation. So that is truly the only uh, mitigation tool that should stay personal, which is the disability insurance. But otherwise, the life insurance and critical illness could be bought within the corporation and could be done from a very uh, tax advantage perspective, but also from a, a financial perspective. Is that something that uh, you have thought about, Mark? That's an amazing point, Vu. I actually didn't know that 
the uh, life insurance as well as critical insurance could be bought uh, by the corporation. I currently buy all three on the personal side, uh, but thanks for giving me that. That's great foods for thought. The obvious advantage would be, of course, that if I'm paying for life insurance and critical illness insurance directly from the corporation, then essentially I'm, I'm not needing to draw that money out of the corporation to pay personally, which will result in lower tax burden on the personal side. So that's actually a great point. Um, currently, I do have disability insurance paid on the personal side as well, and that's, that's very valuable. The other thing that I, I figured I would just add in there would be the importance of having a corporate will in addition to a personal will. Uh, so one other thing, in addition to two tax returns submitted per year, it's also going to be very important for you to have a separate corporate will uh, in the event that you do pass on for various reasons, um, in addition to your personal will. Thank you very much, Mark, for bringing that up. I, I think that is... Uh... I think that is the little nugget at the end of this podcast that you've brought up. Uh, it, it is so important what you just said there. Um, a will for the for the personal mark and a will for mark incorporated uh, are a must when we do incorporations because uh, you need to set aside some legal framework to deal with the corporation when mark the employee no longer is uh, part of this world and how to fold the corporation in which manner and how to deal with the assets are absolutely, absolutely crucial. So thank you for sharing that little nugget with us, Mark. So I want to thank you, uh, Mark, for uh, sharing his experience, his mistake, but more importantly, his little nuggets, golden nuggets, I would call them, sweet, loving chocolate, uh, bite size. Uh, of learning and I think that was extremely extremely important things so thank you Mark for uh, sharing those things with us my pleasure Vu. thank you so much for having me on the show you are most welcome Mark and uh, I'm hoping that you enjoyed uh, talking to the audience as well so thank you very much everybody and uh, I'm hoping that this series of mea culpa is helpful to you uh, and bring in real life, real people with real mistakes and real learning, uh, learning points. And uh, hoping that in future uh, podcasts that uh, our guests will also share with us little bite-sized lovely chocolate nuggets. Thank you very much and uh, have a good day. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.